I mean mental disorder The fact of the matter Totalitarian presets Ridding off the rejects Can you, can I be next? messages. Uh, people say things that are far left, far right, up, down, whatever it may be. Uh, but folks are accountable for their own actions. And I think that whether you talk about Black Lives Matter or Police Lives Matter or All Lives Matter, at the end of the day, I think everyone really wants accountability. I'm here with the lovely Elaine Janelle. Hey, y'all. And today's uh, 
episode topic is spend, save, and share. This is a very good, a good topic, and I highly suggest everyone from the ages of zero to a thousand tune in. It's never too late to talk about finances. So, today's scripture is, uh, well, this episode scripture is found in Proverbs 13 and 11, and it says, Wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished, but he that gathereth by labor shall increase. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word. word. Yes. So, Elaine's going to take it over right now and go further into the topic. We've got some good stuff, so... Elaine, take it away. Hey, y'all. How y'all doing? Clutter is a form of distractions. And this is a quote from Joshua Becker. He's from the website called becomingminimalist.com. And he talks about how clutter, it pulls our attention and redirects our thoughts. And though, you know, his website is referring to the fact that when we have too much stuff in our house, we can't get things done. Your mind, you're easily distracted. But when I read it, I easily and quickly thought about finances, how you have too many bills, too much debt, too much loan credit and things to handle um, that you can become very easily distracted. And this is why, we, of course, we have loan consolidation and why we, you know, we consolidate debt and things of that sort. Because when you have too much of it, you can be easily distracted and it becomes hard to focus on maybe personal goals or things you want to do in your life. And so from this episode called Spend, Safe, Share, we want to talk about um, the different ways we can spend our money and on necessities and wants, how we can save our money for our future, and also good and bad ways to share, learning that every time you share money, it may not be a necessity, and you may not need to always share with everybody. Having that wisdom and using that wisdom is a big, big, big thing. And we learn a lot in this episode and I have two great friends, Mr. Joseph Mackey and Mr. Michael McMillan, that joined me on this episode. Um, and they tell more about their personal experiences and even things that they have learned in finances. And that's why they're part of the show. So I'm telling you, they've been great friends of mine. I've known one of them for almost 20 years. And the other person, I've known for like 15 years, 14 years. So these are like lifelong friends that I've had. And I've learned from them, and they're here to share some of their wisdom here with myself and with Kelly. And we're going to learn that, you know, there's a space for spending, there's a space for saving, and there's a space for sharing. But we have to have the wisdom to know how to do it. And don't be afraid to talk about finances. A lot of our culture, African-American people like, and others are afraid to deal with finances. And we shouldn't be. We should welcome it, because if you want to go somewhere, if you want to grow somewhere, you have to know how to handle your finances in a wise manner. And if you mess up, you have to know how to make it right. So that's all I got to say. So keep it locked here. We got some music coming to you from Mr. Cameron Charles and Humble Harmony. I met him back at Surrender Conference in 2016 that was um, given by Mr. Jarmel Evans. So I want y'all to keep it locked here. You know, I try to bring fresh music. And me and Kelly will be right back. Peace out. Yes. Don't put a pause on it. Keep listening, y'all. <laughs> I'll fight you if you pause it. Oh, Lord. She gonna lay hands. <laughs>
And they ain't holy hands either. Oh, Father. <laughs> Keep it locked here at Renewed Talk, y'all. <laughs> In this life, you're going to be tested and tried on every side. And giving up may seem like it's the option, but we came to encourage you that if you hold on, God will see you. And it seems that your options are few. Don't throw. Giving up, it's not the option. Because he sees and he cares just for you. So be reminded that if you wait, just wait. God will show up. It may seem a little hard, but you gotta know that God will see you through if you just hold on. He will. It may be dark and cloudy right now, but you just. Comfort you. Now you may be wondering how could God allow things to happen to me? But I wrote this verse just to let you know. Listen, nobody said this road. This road would be easy. But you've gotta go through the fire. In order to become pure gold, pure gold, you might lose some family and some friends. You might lose some material things. But as long as you got Jesus, He'll be
welcome back to Renew Talk. It is Elaine Janelle on the mic with Kelly Pritchard. And what's up, what's up? We are here on tonight with two of my great friends, as I've already said. And I just want them to introduce themselves. Um, I'm going to ask the person I've known the longest to go first, <laughs> if they don't mind. Hello, everybody. My name is Joseph Mackey. Um, I, as Lane said, um, I've known her forever and some days. Um, I'm a assistant vice president and branch manager um, at Wells Fargo Bank. I also have my own financial literacy company called The Life Planner. So I'm um, definitely looking forward to this conversation tonight and very, very grateful for the uh, invitation. And now I'm going to ask my good friend. Thank you. I'm going to ask my good friend and brother. Blood couldn't make us any closer. Uh, Michael to introduce himself and tell us more about himself. Hi, um, my name is Michael McMillan Jr. Um, I've known Elaine, I believe, 14 years now. Mm -hmm. um, I met her in college and we have remained since graduating in 2007. Um, I am currently professionally social worker. I am supervisor for a nonprofit organization in Washington, D.C., um, dealing with the homeless, uh, homeless families, women and children. And I've uh, been in ministry this month, made 17 years and um, forever growing. <laughs> Thank you for the invitation. Oh, no problem. Thank you for being a part of a new talk. Of course, this episode is related to. Spending, saving, and sharing. So one of the first questions I want to ask is related to your own personal lives. Um, how old were you guys when you first started um, being more responsible with your finances, when you became, I guess, more fi financially conscious or aware? Um, for me, I want to say it was either my sophomore, it was my sophomore year, College. Um, and I was working a part-time job um, in school full-time, and I will never, ever forget this. Um, there was one week, I literally had $10 to last me the entire week. I was in between pay. I was paying for, uh, you know, my cell phone bill, little incidentals at school. Uh, you know, my mom, she had just started a new job, so she needed a little bit of help. And um, I always worked nights and weekends, so, you know, I missed dinner. At school, so every night, you know, it was just a blessing. Either somebody at work had brought me food or oh, they wow. gave me money to buy something. Um, you know, but that $10 felt like it was $1,000 by the time the week had ended. You know, I, I had definitely had a change at the end of the week. And I vowed to myself I would never be in a predicament where I would have just $10 to my name to last me an entire week or entire pay period. So that put it all together for me. And from there, you know, I just started saving by trial and error. And um, now at 32, you know, I definitely have a plan, which I follow to the T, you know, making sure I always have enough to, you know, make ends meet. That's good. That sounds real good. How about you, Michael? Well, for me, I'm now 32. I'll be 33 in July. I just began to say no to every single family member a year ago, and I started saving and have a big smile on my face <laughs> because I started saving 
from a very early age coming from a home where my mother was on crack cocaine, my stepfather was on drugs as well, my father, and everything they would give me, they would take it away. So I would find myself hiding money throughout my entire life through um, elementary school, middle school, and even high school, and even going to college, um, still having to aid these individuals. And um, three years ago, my father, who did not have any medical insurance, uh, became very sick, had a couple of strokes, and everything I saved, even from college, under um, from undergrad and going to grad school, all went away within two months. Thousands of dollars that I had saved that my family even though I had, um, because my grandma, of course, taught me to you know put things away for a rainy day, not knowing that rainy day would cause just a lot. So I lost a lot of finances, and like I said, a year ago I've been able to. Just say no to, to a lot of things and to, again, rebuild and to reestablish. That sounds good. <laughs> it sounds good. It's good to know that uh, no is helpful in us. We, I think a lot of us are prone to say yes to a lot of things when it comes to helping out people, especially if we naturally have a giving heart. So it's good to know that no is beneficial as well. Another question I wanted to ask you is... Um, what do you guys believe are like good techniques? Like personally, what you have learned, because I know, um, Joe, you're in the business, but personally, like what have you learned are good techniques for saving money? Um, personally for yourself, I want to start with the saving part and then we'll get into the sharing aspect even more in a few minutes. Um, for me personally, growing up in church, you always hear about giving your 10% to God, giving your 10% to God, giving what you owe God. He, you, he makes so much. He asks for so little. So um, the older I got and the more I worked and, you know, I started off um, working in college, making, you know, $7 an hour, and, you know, still honor my commitment to God and, you know, take care of what I need to take care of. And as I've, you know, gotten to the age that I am now, my philosophy is to three tests. So I firmly believe that we are to give 10% to God because that's what is required of us. That's our reasonable service. And that's also us sowing into good ground for, you know, when we need God for something, he's always going to honor, you know, that we gave and we gave willingly and diligently. I believe in, you know, spending 10%. I believe we work hard. If you can't spend 10% or close to 10% every paycheck on something that means something to you, that's something that you want, something that you've had your eye on, you know, you, you absolutely should try to do it every pay period or either um, just one pay period per month. And mm -hmm. then the second, you know, the, the third aspect of it is um, uh, tithing 10% to your house. You know, you want to put up 10% of you wherever you live, you know, wherever you get an apartment, you live at home, you have a house, putting 10% up, as Michael said, you know, not so long ago, for that rainy day. You never know when a car is going to break down or, you know, where a repair might need, you know, it's wintertime, you might need to replace a water heater or you might have to replace the roof, something like that. But you want to have money tucked away that's accessible to you to help you no matter what the situation or the circumstance. Right. How about you, Michael? Um, some aspects of saving that you've learned over time. Well, listening to uh, Joseph, um, I, those three uh, concepts actually just uh, listening to him again. Those are the same concepts that I had not even known I had them. You know, again, of course, tithing to God that ten percent, or um, you know, to people. Um, I believe tithing also can uh, be something that we can sow into other people's lives. Um, those that are, you know, less fortunate than we are in families. Um, 
I've done that, you know, not being a part of a church in Maryland, um, take it upon myself to ask God to lead me to, you know, someone to a young man or a young woman's life, uh, whether it be they're on their way to college or, um, you know, again, it may be a cousin that's struggling with a baby or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and the other aspect he was uh, talking about just, um, you know, putting things away for a rainy day, what I've done in the last year. I've also invested in some things, so different insurances as well. <laughs> right, um, right. Well, one for my mother, uh, my father, <laughs> um, even myself. So I've gotten uh, a couple of different policies as well. Um, thank God my grandmother had a policy on my father, you know, because he was that, I guess, that um, that child that was living that life for a very, very long time. So she had a policy for him over 20 years. Um, which was my main concern when he did get sick, because I'm like, he don't have no health insurance. So, I mean, if he die, how are we going to bury him? But thank God for grandma. She has a policy on everybody, and which taught me to get the same thing, mm-hmm. um, you know, for my immediate family, which is just my mom and my dad. Yeah, sure. So, and me. Um, so, like I said, just investing as well into some, some good things and then consolidating. I've done that recently, which helped my credit amazingly. Uh, consolidating student loans, something that I was afraid to even jesus christ to even call like oh man one day i said let me call these people <laughs> and let me just figure this out <laughs> and after that call and then them consolidating you know consolidating everything the last couple of months i've watched my credit go up that's good which made that's me awesome. so yeah don't be afraid to call these people and do what you have to do <laughs> that's good yeah yeah uh kelly do you have any questions Yep, I wrote them down. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, when you when you talked about uh, student loans, um, I was really fortunate to graduate college without any student loans. Like my parents paid completely out of pocket. Oh wow! For it, but the only thing is, I didn't have any credit in my name. So when I wanted to buy a car, I didn't have any credit because I didn't have anything taken out of my name. Um, my question is. What is a rather good age for someone to start um, establishing credit aside from student loans? Um, being in the industry, I, I see how different cultures handle things such as money and credit. Something that Caucasians and Asians do, specifically the Jewish population, it's ingenious. So what they do is, you know, they're adults they're married you know whatever the living situation is they have credit cards junior and baby girl is born at the age of five <laughs> six seven they then put their children on their credit cards as authorized users so that child is building credit at five six seven years old so wow. by the time they're eight right they can go out and get in and everything they want because they have an established long credit history so i am a big fan of that methodology because it just makes perfect sense to what African Americans do. We are so far behind the curve. Typically, by the time we get to 18, mom, aunt, dad, sister, brother, and already put stuff in our credit and default to it, we can't get anything, so we're already behind the curve. So, you know, by really managing our credit, you know, helping, you know, others out in that same, you know, situation. Um, for me, my mother, she was a homeowner, but you know, she struggled being a homeowner and being a single parent. So there were times where she had to either pay the mortgage or pay the credit cards and the credit cards didn't get paid. So what I did is as I was cleaning up my credit and establishing, I began to put her on as authorized users. Oh, and even wow. Okay. 
three and four years. The good thing about credit cards is that the moment you put an authorized user on, it backdates. So that user has the same credit history you do. So if you've had that card for three or four years, their history shows the same. So wow. that's why how we get established credit, and then you know we're able to go out and manage it and increase it and do more with it. Wow, that's funny how you kind of reciprocated the other way, where a lot of like you yeah. said, Jewish parents do it for their children is. Um, you know, five, and it makes total sense when, because I I have rung up plenty of clients who I know these kids wasn't eighteen yet, who had credit cards, American Express cards, yeah, yep, and they have their name on it, <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I always wondered. I said, how did they, you know, how did they do it? <laughs> to be honest, um, but especially when I worked in Armour, Pennsylvania, of course, out there, they would do it a lot, and so, um. I saw that a lot. Yeah, I saw that a lot. Um, because we verified people's credit cards all the time to make sure that it was them. So it makes complete sense. Um, it's very, it's very, it is ingenious. It's very smart. Um, I wanted to ask, uh, I wanted to shift a little bit um, because I know some people may be wondering, on this phone call, I have two really, really, really good friends. And with both of them, being, I, I consider them established people. I, I, I'm going to say this the nicest way I can on this, on this, on this nice podcast, but there's so many people who are not like consistent in um, in who they are and, and even in their process. So social media becomes kind of their, their place of fun, but it's, but their everyday living is kind of everywhere. So <laughs> the reason why I have these two people on in particular is because they can give two different spectrums of finances. And so, um, Relating to what you said earlier, Michael, you were referring to how you started telling people no. What do you notice? I mean, you work in social work and you work with people who fall on hard times or who may have a habit of making wrong decisions. Um, what do you notice in our generation that people struggle with um, in, in their finances? Like, what, as, as you work with these different people, what do you see is kind of the number one thing that causes people to mishandle their money? Well, listening to Joseph, I mean, I'm sitting here and like, ah, you know, because, you know, one thing I have learned and I'm continuing to learn is all the cultures. And one for us, the people of color, we come from a place and even back to Kelly's question, you know, she talked about when is a good time. For me, it was 18. Now, now I was blessed. Even though my mother was on drugs and everything else, I wasn't like my other cousins who moms had put cable bills in their name. And um, I Thank God my mom didn't do those things. So right, right. when I went to school, uh, my first credit card was, you know, um, in my name. And that's how I began to establish credit. But then, you know, coming from where I came from, getting that first credit card, I maxed it out. Right. <laughs> you know, and then I'm like, well, I ain't going to pay it. And then, of course, you know, the um, interest rate got higher and higher. And then, that, you know, it kind of messed up my credit. But then I had to pay it, whatever. But I think with our generation, we're dealing with individuals, again, people of color, that they came from um, family, families, you know, being uh, uh, just not having an education on credit, having an education on how to save. And, you know, again, we just live paycheck to paycheck. No one investing in anything good. You know, like, as he said it in the Jewish culture, they they invest from, you know, the time the kids are small. Only thing we've, you know, like I think like my, my grandma, only thing she invested as a kid, I mean, it was good, was in life insurance. You know, we think about death, <laughs> you know. Um, and, and even with some of that, I know some of us was able to 
uh, cash out or, you know, get dividends from it. You know, I have a cousin who's able to do that, to go to college, you know, and use that some of that money. So it was a good investment. But again, I think we're just so uneducated. You know, I am the first generation in my family to even go to college, to even go to grad school. So again, you know, my family didn't talk about saving. We had a bank account, whatever. You know, again, we just lived paycheck to paycheck. And um, I just think, again, though, that cycle has continued. And so when do we break it? You know, when do we for ourselves say, listen, I, I didn't I didn't learn this. I didn't, you know, mm-hmm. uh, mom didn't teach me that. But when do we surround ourselves? And that's kind of what I had to do. I surrounded myself with individuals, um, um, you know, their family members. And I acted as if I knew what was going on. And I didn't know nothing. <laughs> but I took some 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 lessons from these individuals and these families that okay I want I want that you know kind of car I want I want to do that I want to be able to travel I want to you know be able to invest and sitting down with their fathers or grandfathers you know again just just played along just to get by so yeah but I think what what you just said it made me think of the word initiative that um once you become of age you have to take the initiative to learn you can't. I think sometimes in our generation, um, I know people go back and forth because people can't figure out if I'm a generation Y or millennial or whatever I am. But I think <laughs> that people need to understand that once you become of age, you have a responsibility to learn finances for yourself. And no, you don't have to bite off more than you can chew. It's because you know a lot of people become overwhelmed when they don't understand something, and ignorance then becomes bliss because they don't want to understand it. But I think that is more so related to studying. And ask questions. Joe was one of my first friends outside of my parents who I asked questions to. I was like, oh, you do banking. <laughs> you got to know more than I know, honey. And so you take what you can <laughs> from the situation that you can see will and can benefit you. Kelly, I wanted to turn it back over to you at this time. Yeah, well, my next question was actually it's good that she brought that up because um, I'm a substitute teacher. And when I was in high school, it wasn't too long ago, but when I was in high school, we didn't have any, like, type of financial literacy class or anything like that. So by the time most of us, thank God I had my parents to kind of keep me grounded in terms of finances, but by the time most of us got out of high school and we got into college, it was kind of like a punch in the face because we were like, whoa, we didn't see all this coming. And um, we had went back to the high school because they had all the graduating seniors come back to talk to the current seniors. And everybody from my graduating class said, we wish we would have learned how to balance a checkbook, how to balance a bank account, what credit was, establishing your credit, and things like that. And now I know for, I believe, New Jersey, it's required for students to take, if a freshman, to take a financial literacy class and pass it. So, like, can you elaborate one more time, like, on why, not just home, but why in school it's so important that uh, teens, especially, like, about to graduate and go into the real world, learn financial literacy, like, the basics of it? Um, with financial literacy, um, it's, it's one of those tricky subjects where all rules don't apply to all circumstances and situations. Okay. So, not with finance... It, you know, it, it derives with, you know, how you saw your, your family live and how you saw them operate, um, you know, what you saw your friends, you know, go through and the differences of what they may have had and, and what you had. So it's, it's something that should be taught, but you probably won't ever see it in a classroom because it's something that's very, very, very personal to people. Uh, 
I would suggest with you being a substitute teacher, um, most banks, they offer a person to come into any type of class setting, um, whether it be preschool all the way up to graduate school, and they can conduct a literacy, and it's free. Um, you know, it's, it's a part of the community service initiatives that most financial institutions have. You, even with financial advisors, they could come in and just kind of give you a bare bones with what investing means and what buying stocks and bonds and mutual funds, what all that stuff means. And it's, it's just something that's very, very necessary. But it's, you know, again, it's just something that is very tight. Um, you know, I'll use myself. I grew up thinking, you know, my mother was rich every Saturday. Right. Me, my mom. <laughs> Right, grandma mm -hmm. out shopping at Red Lobster for lunch, ordering everything, and it wasn't until I got to college and I'm on a bus and I see you know other students driving Mercedes and Hummers and, and BMWs and I'm sitting there like, where am I? You know what has happened? To, am I poor? You know I, that was the first time I had a reality check. Like, did I not come from this this, this super wealthy family? Um, like I thought I did. Mm -hmm. So. Um, I would say reach out, use your resources wherever you go and bank, have a conversation with that banker and that teller, and they can usually direct you in the right path to help bridge the gap of literacy. That's good. Yeah. That's good. And I'm, I do want to say for listeners, um, don't be afraid to start a savings account for um, your children. If you, I know a lot of people generally try to start one for themselves. Some people keep it, some people don't. But I know my mother started me in a savings account I think I was five. <laughs> so I started understanding money. I started tithing at a young age and I started saving at a young age. And I learned when I, when I was making good choices and I learned when I was making bad ones. And I think that's something we should also consider. Once again, don't be scared to try something new. So I'm glad you said that, Joe, about speaking with your own bank um, to kind of help you out in a communal way at schools, um, as Kelly has asked. Um, when do you think it's best to say no to sharing your money? <laughs> that, no, that no goes a mighty long way, just like that yes does. <laughs> well, uh, every, every situation and circumstance is different. Mm-hmm. You know, again, I'm I'm the one in my family that's looked upon as the rich one because I travel all the time, and you know, but people don't know my, you know, I always tell my family, y'all don't know my my pockets. You know, I save, I, you know, I, you know, I, I'm searching for flights and I'm bargaining, and that, like Joseph spoke about earlier, that other ten percent that you want to do to splurge, that's my splurging. You know, I like to look good, but I I love to visit places and go places I've never been. Some places I repeat. You know, but um, again, I think the circumstance situation is different, you know, when it's time to say no. Again, I have family members that some, you know, they're finally delivered from drugs or whatever it may be. And so, again, you just I just have to tell them, no, just because I mean, Facebook tells everything. I see you buying Jordans, you know, Christmas is coming up. And no, I don't have children, but, you know, Christmas is every year and the same time, December 25th. You know, and you, you gonna hit me the week before? Cause can you? No, no, no. Because mm -mm. <laughs> people do what they want with their own money. money. That's the truth. You know, <laughs> so I've I've chose to do what I want with my money. So as long as my mom is good, my dad is fine. That's all that matters. That's good, Joe. Yeah. What you have to say? Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm. Just 
same way. People think because you work at a bank, that means you got a whole lot of money. And um, something I've never divulged is how much money I do have because it's, it's just, no, you know, nobody's business. Yeah. But even say, so, you know, I'm, I'm the type of guy, I'll make you mad because I'm going to ask questions. Because I want to understand is if me helping you is going to teach you so you don't have to ask me again or if it's just going to be a quick fix and then three months later you're back in the same predicament. Right. You get evicted now, you need this money to help you not get evicted, but three months later, you, obviously you haven't learned jobs. So if you can't answer my, and I guess that's the banker in me, if you can't answer my questions, you decline. And this is just as simple as that. <laughs> no, that's good. That's real. <laughs> I've been at the place of, of asking as well, is this a loan? Um, or, or is this, you know, or something that I'm giving you? And if I'm giving it to you, you know, again, like, like Joseph said, like, explain the reason why, you know? But if it's a loan, I want to know how long it's going to be before I get it back. <laughs> That's real. Well, you better than me. Michael promissory note. Have him sign. Get it notarized. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, business. As men, we ought to be in business. That's the truth. Kelly, you was about to say something. <laughs> yeah, Um. when the Jordans were bought up, I uh, it kind of grinds my gears when I see people standing in line for the sneakers. And this is what my next question um I don't, wearing your wealth um my mom can shop and when I tell you she can shop she can go for hours without breaking <laughs> but she listen she goes in all sacks and goes completely off but I've noticed my mother taught me to know the value of it but never pay value price and you know, you can have like a two hundred dollar dress or something worth two hundred dollars, and only have paid like not even like not even yet. You only pay like fifty percent of it. It was fifty percent off, and you got it for a good deal. But I see a lot of people in our community, especially, they're standing in lines and buying Jordans and things like that. But you know, they don't have any money in the savings account. They don't have anything put away for a rainy day. They, you know, just horrible. Uh, financial planning, I guess, um, for lack of better words, you know, wearing your wealth, oh, I have these $200 pair of sneakers on, but I have to walk somewhere. Um, instead of investing in a car, you invest in something stupid. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like how we just wear our wealth instead of investing in our wealth, like investing in ourselves and things like that. Can you guys, like, maybe explain that to me? Yeah. Because I, I don't, I really don't get it. Yeah, I I, I I get it. You know, again, it goes back to, you know, we being people of color and where we came from. You know, um, again, going back, in, you know, I can only speak of, of of what I, you know, went through. But I must say, my mom, even being on drugs, she never bought me Jordans. I never wore the expensive sneakers and those things. I always wore these little, you know, nice little loafers and little shoes and those little things. And even as I was right. able... Um, to get older, you know, and, and do my own thing, I, I still don't own a pair of Jordans. Um, you know, my little brother, he asked me, can he, uh, no, you $350, you know, you can do with that. You know, we can, right. <laughs> we can go to Aldo, we can go to some other place, you get about three or four pairs of shoes, man, what's wrong with you? You know, so I even thank God that she didn't allow me to do all those things. I mean, and it's just a mindset. Again, I think it goes back to the mindset of people you know, um, 
And like you said, even with the bargaining and saving, I do the same thing. People say, oh, that suit, this and that. No, I actually paid $70. No, no more than $100, right. you know? But people will call up into names and name brand and all those different things, you know? And it's crazy. Mm-mm. So I think it's a mindset, you know, with our people. Yeah, and I, I was, yeah. to piggyback on that, Kelly, because I think we talked about it before in our other episode back in the, in September. I think it's the um, like trying to prove themselves almost, and right. I think that that's related to insecurity. Because as I'm on this call, everybody that's on this call can put a good suit, good dress, good good clothes on, and look great. Like everybody that's on this call now, I don't anybody fully type of way who listening. I don't care. <laughs> I don't because we all have the ability to pick up some pieces and put them on and put them together well and our pictures prove it right. praise, praise God for social media in that way but what I'm trying to say <laughs> what I'm trying to say about it is the aspect of you don't need everything and the insecurity of feeling like I must have this like some people do the shop therapy they shop as therapy and um I went shopping a little bit on Saturday. I had the ability to do so. And I just stopped. I was in one store and I was just like, you don't need this stuff. Put it down. Walk away. Stop it. Just stop it. <laughs> and, <Put> I, it. <laughs> and I do that every every so often. I do do that because I find myself literally looking at the same things I already have in my closet. And it, it becomes redundant. Now, you, now you're spending money frivolous, frivolously. Even though it may be something that you will wear, you spend it frivolously because you have stuff in your closet that looks exactly with, like what you're buying right now. And so um, I think a lot of people go shopping or, or buy expensive things out of insecurity, out of trying to keep up with a certain look, um, but also because they're not becoming they're not becoming consciously aware that they could really be doing other things with their finances to build them up other than spending it on things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something I learned. I, I was reading up a little bit on the um, minimalist thing because I'm kind of interested. I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm able to become one, but people who really spend less, they just, they just cause they have a coupon. They don't, they don't go to the store and that's a hard habit to break. Like my mother's coupon central. <laughs> so she got a coupon. She go to the store, but I realized just because I have a coupon for the store does not mean I need to go. Exactly. So it's just little habits like that I am learning to break. And I, I, yeah, I, I think it's up to it. Um, you know, culturally, we are people that like to look good and to dress good, and because we were barred from having some some things because we couldn't shop at certain stores, we couldn't, you know, they they wouldn't take it seriously or they were overcharges. We now want to do that now, and I don't, some of it I don't think it's so much of an insecurity. Some of it just means I've arrived. Um, okay. Is is that you know I am that coupon person. I will see a pair of shoes and I don't my, I don't pay anything full price. I will wait till there's a coupon. My favorite thing is when I get that email about the Macy's men's private sale and it's twenty five percent off of everything. And if you use the Macy's card, it's this extra and yada yada yada. Um, so that's my favorite time of the year. I go completely crazy and. <laughs> have to know, you know, how to get it done. You have to know who to make friends with at these stores that you frequent. So you know when stuff is about to get marked down. <laughs> uh, uh. No, it's you true. know, there's a few places I go, they know face and name. 
what you, you got something for me? All right, let's go get it. You know, it's no harm in shopping at, you know, discount stores and stuff like that. At a certain time, you have to really realize it becomes quality over the name. Every name brand doesn't use good quality. That's true. You know, for me, the same stuff you can get at Express, you can go to Target. And it's like, it's all how you wear it. It's all how you put it together. You know, you just have to really know what you're doing, know how to spend your money, know when to buy. Don't just buy off of impulse. Right. Well, Michael, you was about to say something too. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, um, you know, again, the mindset and, you know, who you're surrounding yourself with as well. Um, I think that also plays a major part. Why? You know, we feel like, you know, we have to look a certain way or be a certain, you know, uh, you know, people have a great influence on people. That's true. That's true. You know, and even with young men and, you know, sometimes even, um, you know, my son, he wants to be like you. And I, I know that must have been expensive. No, this is actually my grandfather's suit. I actually got a tailor. He died and I got his suit. <laughs> I just got a good shoe to make it look good. Mm-hmm. You know, um, mm-hmm. so a lot of stuff that I have, I just, you know, made it look to par, you know, in that aspect. Now, this is old, man. This is like I said, I have a couple of vintage suits of my, you know, that every time I wear it, they, you know, everyone's like, where'd you get it from? The, uh, this thing. I don't know where he got it from, but it's mine now. Right. Um, but again, you know, set yourself with and, and, you know, you can make something cheap look amazing. Basically. You know. That's very true. Um, Kelly, you have any other questions? Um, this is the last question I have on my little sheet. Uh, in terms of, I do film. I'm school for film, so I do a lot of shorts and things like that. And I was just talking to my parents about, you know, different financial decisions and things like that. And one thing my dad was stressing to me, he was like, invest in what you're doing. Invest in the cameras, invest in the lights and things like that. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to depend on anyone else to do it. You'll already have it. What can you guys give to up-and-coming entrepreneurs about investing in themselves um, responsibly, like making responsible investments and things like that? For young, young entrepreneurs, yes. you can't go out and ask anybody to invest in you if you're not investing in yourself. So I believe you're it. Business, if you're going to be a barber, don't go out to Walmart and buy the cheapest clippers. Go out, and if you have the money, invest. Get the best clippers that's going to make your work look at the best, the sharpest that there is. You can't. You just can't go out soliciting anything and you don't have anything to give. That means you don't believe in yourself. And if you don't believe in yourself, you need to really, you know, sit back and think, is this the line of the plan? Is this the way for me to go? Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. I do agree. Michael, how about yourself? Say it again. I said, how about yourself? Because I know, like... You're into um, building up your brand as well. I don't know. Right. If, I don't know if you um, heard um, Kelly. Say it again. I said I didn't know if you heard Kelly. Her question. Yeah, I heard her. Um, I just, I just actually went to a meeting um, uh, maybe uh, two months ago, and you know, it really inspired me. Again, I've been in ministry for seventeen years, and um, I didn't do, I didn't do a lot of branding of myself or for myself. And so this meeting really inspired me. You know, I don't have children and, you know, tax time is coming up, you know, and 
they really encouraged me to basically buy my name, you know, invest in my name, Michael McMillan Jr., you know, um, as a business, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, with all the things I do, I officiate weddings and funerals and doing youth conferences, revivals and uh, master ceremony here and there, you know, invest in you and your name. So that's what I've done recently. And we're continuing to work on those things, websites. And, uh, like I said, um, getting a, um, LLC and those things. So, yeah, I think it's important that you invest in yourself and, you know, get around like-minded people that understand and that would basically teach you and, and, uh, guide you where to go. Right. That, that's a good, that's important right there. Like-minded people. Get a mental, um, your, your line of business that has done what you want to do and pick their brain as much as you possibly can. Like everybody needs a mentor. We can't do this all alone. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. Um, well, I have one more question I wanted to ask. Um, more so relating to stocks and bonds and money market accounts and things of that sort. Um, how have those things been beneficial in your own lives? Um, I know I have my own little stories. Because um, I have savings bonds and I have a lot of them. <laughs> and I know they're becoming obsolete. Um, but I've contacted Treasury and I've contacted quite a few banks and I'm definitely going to be cashing quite a few of them in soon. But I had a grandfather, my father's father. Um, I was, I was beneficial. Michael always reminds me that I'm blessed. And I know I was very beneficial, um, in having people who were conscious about their finances. Um, even if they didn't make all the best decisions, they at least were conscious about their own finances. So my father's father, every birthday, he would give me like a 25 or $50 savings bond. Um, and that built up over time. I used a few in college and I actually used a few when I decided to move to Maryland. Um, and I knew I had a lot of them because my mom started doing the same thing as I got older. And so a lot of them are way more money than they were when they purchased them. Um, so that's something that isn't, even though it's not absolute, that I learned early on. And when I saw them, I was like, I'm not using those. Like, (laughs) (laughs) when I saw they came to maturity, I told my mother, like, I said, moving, house, wedding. I'm going to use them for necessary big moves in life. I'm not just going to be spending. And 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 I realized my grandfather and my mother made an investment in me. So how dare I just be like, oh, I have it. Let me take it. I was like, no, no, no. We'll touch it as time needs for it. So. For investments like that, I wanted y'all to share some of 401ks, all of that. How do you find those things being beneficial in our own personal lives? Well, I'll just say real quick, I just think um, this generation don't understand that, you know, as I tell everyone, keep living. Uh, Your mindset changes or it should change anyway. Um, And you have to look again for the future. What's ahead, you know, and looking back, even you having these, you know, these uh, stocks and savings and those things people don't think that way they don't think about houses and wanting to have the dream wedding of you know of their dream and they don't think about those things so as i tell everybody keep living you know hopefully sickness doesn't doesn't throw a monkey wrench in some of your ideas or mm-hmm. you know things happening even in families that will, will alter you just never know so these things will come and when they come, like you have those things, you can, you know, you, you got something to fall back on the 401k and 
you know, different things your jobs try to get you to invest in. Um, it's just important. Right. For, for me, it's just really using every available resource to get done for you what needs to get done. Um, if you're working a job and you have the ability to contribute to a 401k or a 403b or a tax sheltered annuity, you need to be doing so um, because it's no better thing than to borrow your own money. You know, if you have a 401k, you can use that towards the purchase of your first home. You can use it for a hardship loan if somebody ever gets sick or somebody needs to go to school. Um, you have that tucked away that your company is matching and is consistently earning interest. You know, it's rightly available at your fingertips. And, you know, for also for those of us that are, you know, a tad bit materialistic and we're the ones out here buying the $350 Jordans, um, you'd be surprised that that same $350 that you're buying for Jordans, you can get four shares of Nike. Nike is about like $90, $95 a share right now. So you could be buying shares of Nike and making money off of everybody else buying those $350 pairs of jewels. Right, come on. So don't let money slip from your fingers because you, you're not mature enough or you, know, or you think you might not be smart enough to do what's right with it. There are so many different vehicles out here, you know, for investing that are very simple um, and that are, you know, very safe and secure. You need to go out here, you know, such as money markets and savings bonds and government bonds. Um, I did a, a meeting on Friday with myself and my financial advisor and a client. We were discussing, you know, $500,000. The first question financial advisors ask people in this day and time, specifically our generation, the generation Y, X, Z, you know, as they said, whatever we are, <laughs> is how old is your oldest family member? Right now, they're projecting that we will live 20 years more than our oldest family members. So if you have people that are in your family that are 85 and 90, you can very well, with medical science, live to be 110 years old and still have all your faculties. Wow. What are you That's good. If you're throwing your money away on things and you know, you're going out to eat and you're not, you know, investing to yourself, investing to your home or getting a home or investing to your career. What are you going to do? Social security for our generation is pretty much going to be non-existent. Right. So you have a plan and you have to learn that, that true value of what money can do for you and will do for you. That's good. Um, it was one, I said that, that was my last question, but it wasn't. And I know uh, we've been on here for a little while, but I wanted to bring something up that I saw on social media. So a friend of mine put on her Instagram, um, she screenshotted somebody else's Facebook post. And um, the person was saying, for you know, because now it's close to tax time, and or it's getting close to tax time. And she was saying that for single parents who um, may get a lot of money back on their taxes, she, the girl made a storyline of, if you get $5,000 back, instead of just spending it, why don't you team up with a few other ladies that get $5,000 back, $5, back and, like, put a down payment on, like, a small building or something um, where you all can kind of grow and together. And she was saying something in, re in relation to when you are poor or don't have as much as the next to be more creative with your style of finances, with, with your style of getting out of poverty. And when I saw the post, I was intrigued immediately because, of course, the other part of it is we have people who don't know what to do with their finances when they get their taxes back. But then the other part of me said there are people who are bright enough to 
make business decisions if they think it through. So I wanted to hear y'all responses, even you, Kelly, about the idea, like, Michael, once again, you work in social work. So you see people who are really um, in situations, hardships. If that if that even sounds like a deal that was reasonable, the idea, if it sounds reasonable at all. Um, in situations like that, I think it's always good to, you know, as Michael kept saying, is to be with people who are like-minded and to, you know, to, you know, strategize people that are like-minded. So if you have people, and I do taxes, you know, this time of year, so I see people get thousands upon thousands of dollars in returns and you know if, if four of them get together that's twenty five thirty thousand dollars that they could possibly go and invest into opening a business or buying a building and you know something with it but you got to be able to trust people you have to have a clear and concise vision who are you helping what's your target audience um, you have to know the industry that you're going into like google is an amazing thing get on google and google you know how many um, hair salons are there out there? How many are, you know, barbershops are there out there? How many restaurants are they out there? And get some statistics. So you're very well versed and you have a firm understanding in a lot of business that you want to go out so that you know what to accomplish. And then also know the tax benefits to doing so. Okay. Uh, you know, you want to be, you want to have every I dotted, every T crossed um, versus just saying, oh, you got this, I got this, let's go get it done. More than likely, and statistics show 99% of new businesses fail. The way to not fail is to plan, to strategize, and to be knowledgeable. That's good. That's good. Kelly, you have anything to say? I seem to have lost Michael in the process of um, doing, it's talking. No, pretty much it on everything. Got it. <laughs> I don't want to be repetitive. No, no. I think we've re- we have definitely reached a climax, and um, and, and of course, this whole episode was about being more aware. A lot of people who listen to the show, y'all, are people. I found a lot of my li- listeners are people who are in their twenties, um, or and people who are like just getting out of high school. And so I think these conversations are important for them to to hear and to know and for them to then take the information and experiment and, you know, learn on their own. Um, And that's why I picked the topics that I picked, because I feel like in our society, we do not discuss and not not just our society, but in our culture and our communities, we don't discuss finances enough. It's like people say one topic people are afraid of. And um. And then I know some people are afraid of it because they don't, they don't want other people to think less of them. You know what I mean? Like, it's not maybe they're not secure. They're secure about who they are. But they don't want somebody else to try to think any less of them. And I think it just takes, you have to come to the conclusion. You either want to do better or you want to stay where you are. <laughs> so, um, thank you guys for being on the show. As usual, I'm gonna see if I can get Michael back because I do a closing prayer at the end. Like Joseph, get right. Bishop <laughs> Mackey, uh, I'm gonna I'm go right to the elder. Go ahead, you outrank me. Okay, but first, before y'all pray, is there any last statements um, that you guys have? I want to say thank you for being a part of a new talks, 16th episode. And so, thank you guys, we appreciate it. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. No problem. No problem. So. You're welcome. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I'll Sorry, just guys. Say to, uh, to you, Annie, uh, Elaine, my sister, and uh, Kelly, I don't know you, but uh, wonderful job on this. And 
continue to uh, bring change and exposure and awareness to our community, our, I don't know who all listens, but the young people, whomever, um, I think is important. So don't be weary in well-doing. Come on here. Keep doing it and um, keep encouraging, um, you know, the world, basically. And I'm believing that this podcast will, you know, uh, gain much exposure and that, again, it will reach the masses. Definitely. Thank you. And I think and we receive it. We do receive it. And, um, Shado. Hey, thank you. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I just, Mike, I think I lost Michael right when I said that most of the people who listen to our show are, um, 20 year olds and people right out of high school. Um, so these, the topics I pick are, I'm trying to grasp their mindsets and pull their energy in as well. So thank you, Michael. We do appreciate it. Thank you guys. And, um, Who's going to lead us in prayer on tonight? That All right, I'm not going to pray long. No, you don't have to go to the hedges and the highways, as my friend Thomas said on his episode. We just, you can just, short, simple. Great. Jesus wept. Amen. Amen. Nah, okay, let's all seriousness. No, I'm serious. It's ready? all right. It's still the Bible. <laughs> Okay. And in the name of the Son and Holy Ghost. Okay. In the name. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all kill me. Let's look to heaven. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we just want to thank you, God, for this podcast. We thank you, God, for every listener. We pray on tonight, Lord, that you would continue to bless everyone uh, that's in school, uh, leaving high school, entering into college. Help them to be stewards of their finances. Continue to make ways out of no ways. Continue to just bless them, God. We pray right now, God, that you would give them understanding and knowledge on all that they need. Continue, God, to lead in God and protect them. We pray, God, that you continue to bless this podcast, bless Elaine and bless Kelly and all that they endeavor to do, anointed, consecrated. Make it, God, what you would have it to be. So, Lord, again, we thank you for this time of fellowship. We thank you for this time of just imparting one another. Pray, God, that you continue to bless each and every one of us as we endeavor to do your will. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Amen.